Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about strategies to help faculty, preceptors, and those involved in the education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Gina Galanu-Luchin. I'm the Director of Member Relations for the ASHP Section of Pharmacy Educators and Community Pharmacy Practitioners, and I will serve as a host for this podcast. We're happy to be chatting with Karen Whalen today about the importance of paying it forward in our profession by serving as poster mentors and research mentors for student pharmacists and residents. Thank you for joining us today, Karen. Thank you, Gina. I'm really happy to be here and speaking about something I'm very passionate about, which is uh, meeting with our student and resident poster presenters. We're very happy to have you. As we begin today's podcast, let's start by exploring this passion of yours. Let's start diving into a little bit first your professional and research background. Can you share with us some information about your past experience in research, past experience in education um, and clinical practice? Uh, Yes. Um, So I've uh, practiced in ambulatory care as well as acute care in a community teaching hospital. I was their drug information pharmacist specializing in antithrombosis management. In the past 10 years, I've been the PGY-1 residency research preceptor, coordinating their longitudinal research, their projects, posters, and their manuscripts as well. I've also done work on my own without the residents. Uh, During this time, I've served as a student and resident poster mentor, as well as coaching my own, coaching and modeling my own PGY-1 residents so that they can become poster mentors during at least one student session per mid-year clinical meeting. That's fantastic. So a lot of robust experience in this field. And although you have worn many hats, I think today maybe we should focus on mentorship specifically uh, within research and poster presentations. So starting with the basics, can you tell us how you started with your research involvement that you mentioned independent and also the mentorship piece and how did you draw this interest? Well, as far as the mentorship is concerned, you know, I was just at a mid-year meeting and we all get the emails ahead of the meeting to sign up to be a poster mentor. And if you're at the live meeting, you know, calls will go out for mentors at uh, each announcement and each session. And so the first time I was a poster mentor at mid-year, all I did was answer the call for help. I I said, well, that sounds very interesting. I have already been acting as an instructor or mentor to others, including residents and students, as well as peer reviewing. So it was kind of an easy decision for me, like, oh, I can do that. I can look at some posters and talk to students and residents. And and so I, I did answer that call at least 10 years ago. And it was nice because the ASHP staff, you know, would assign you some random posters, but before you went to speak to them, you would get a little briefing on how to conduct the session, you know, or what types of things the mentor should talk to the student about or the resident. And, you know, when I did that and I saw how the poster presenter, you know, really lit up about their work, that made me become, you know, very passionate about doing it as often as I could uh, for students and residents. Residents, not just the residents. I, I love what you said about uh, you answered the call for help and you were just right there. And I think that's really the spirit of what we hope to convey today. So great yeah. segue to our next question. 
as you know, and as you've experienced over your career, uh, mid-year can be a very exciting time, but it's also very busy for both the students, the residents, and then also faculty and practitioners who are jumping around from session to session. They have to catch networking events. And then on top of everything, there's poster hall. So what's the process of poster mentoring at a meeting? You know, as far as the logistics go and the time commitment required, and what's the difference in that process between the live and the virtual meeting? Well, <laughs> that's an understatement. It is challenging to manage all the opportunities at mid-year, whether it's virtual or live. There are so many things going on that cause us to have a lot of attention drawn to the networking sessions, the, the educational sessions. Uh, perhaps you've got to go to showcase or other meetings while you're there. So it can be challenging. So the, the first step that I do, whether it's virtual or live, is I review the session schedule. So I'm, I'm looking at what are the educational sessions going on? When are the poster sessions? When are the networking sessions? And when I do that, then I have an idea of what student session and resident session minimally I can sign up for that doesn't conflict with live events that I need to attend. Uh, one of the advantages of the virtual mid-year is that if there's an educational session that conflicts with your poster session, you know, you can go back and watch that at any time. So that actually makes scheduling my poster mentor sessions a little bit easier. You just have to be careful that you don't schedule your poster mentor session when you need to be live someplace else. When it comes to on the ground, live and in-person mid-year, I follow the same process. Uh, it's just a, a little bit easier with live mid-years to just drop in into a session I might not have signed up for. I always sign up for one student and one resident, make that minimum commitment. But when you're live, you can just drop into the poster hall if you need to and, and get a mentor card and go talk to some presenters. That's right. And of course, you know, attendees have the opportunity to visit the poster hall and even be informal mentors if they need to. But I yeah. think all in all, you've answered the question of it's doable, right? You, you're you able to squeeze it into your schedule and, and really make time for passing along a little bit of wisdom to the next generation of pharmacists. Oh, it's very doable. And you get to do it in a virtual world without putting 20,000 steps on your <laughs> on your step counter. Your feet don't hurt at the end of the day. That's true. Who needs to burn those extra calories, right? <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the expertise goes, I know some of our clinical practitioners are very involved with research, might, while others might just be starting out. And they may feel a little nervous with being a poster mentor, thinking, oh my gosh, do I have to be a research expert to do this? And, and what kind of involvement and expertise is required? So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so I think the term mentor can sometimes turn people off feeling, you know, that you do need to have, I can't be a mentor if I don't have any experience, but I think that it's really important to note that you need to be a pharmacist or a pharmacy resident. Right there, you have enough experience to talk to somebody about their work. So I don't think it's absolutely necessary to have full-on research experience to be a mentor to a student or a resident. It certainly helps for resident poster mentors to have some experience when they talk to uh, the presenter. 
to understand their work, but it's not absolutely necessary. I kind of look at it as reading a paper that, you know, in a course of a day at work, I need, might need to read a paper to understand something and to conduct my daily work. That's all I'm really doing for a poster. So minimally, the mentor's goal should be to read the poster, listen to the presentation, and engage that student or resident in a conversation about their work. We have to keep in mind that these students and residents have invested a great amount of time and effort into their work and their preceptors or their institutional pharmacists who may have worked with them on the project. A lot of work has gone into this. So the goal is to provide them with a platform to discuss it. And all pharmacists, regardless of your experience, can actually do this. And I really encourage it. I agree with you. I think it sounds like the barriers are very minimal, especially in this virtual world. So pivoting to a little bit more of a fun and uplifting topic, can you tell us what you enjoy most about serving as a poster mentor? Have you had any memorable experiences that maybe you've encountered that help you keep going and participate year after year? Oh, uh, you know, my greatest joy is just discussing their work directly. You know, to be an audience to their accomplishment gives me great satisfaction. When we're at live mid-year and I look around and I see so many of them standing there with nobody to talk to, I'm like, I've got to talk to all of them, you know. (laughs) So I'm just, i just really happy that, you know, I get to provide them advice, you know, revel in their successes, listen to their struggles because they love to tell the stories about that encourage them or ask them about their next step with the project. Are they going to take it to P&T? Will there be any process changes or policy changes? Is publication a possibility? And then I usually do at the end, ask them about their next step. You know, are they going on to a job or career, residency or fellowship? You know, it's just really good to talk to them. I don't know if this is a really good story or not, but I had one experience during a live mid-year where I try to get into the mid-year session as early as I can. You know, security is pretty tight sometimes. They're like, (laughs) you can't come in. But I always get in there as soon as I can so I can see as many people as possible when I have my session available. And once I got in there early and I had a resident, she was presenting a poster on a topic I knew nothing about, a high-level oncology topic. So I was doing my read-through and it looked like a cut and paste error was on there. There was two graphs that looked exactly the same with different captions. And I didn't understand it because I really didn't understand the topic. So I asked her in a very open way because I didn't want her to think that I was criticizing something I didn't understand. She realized it was a cut and paste error once I pointed it out. She was so horrified. You know, these residents are often very nervous when they present their posters. Uh, So, you know, I assured her that cut and paste errors happen. They happen all the time. Calmed her down. Uh, We worked together. We actually found a Sharpie and we fixed it up before anybody else stopped by. And I explained to her that this same thing, true story, happened to me and a colleague once before. And we found the error only a few days before the meeting. We couldn't get it reprinted. We couldn't get the poster reprinted. So we just made a new graph on regular paper and we just, you know, stuck it over there with tape and, you know, fixed it. 
but you just do what you have to do. Uh, the funny. resident was so happy. She you just saved the day. Yeah. Yeah. She went on to present her poster to me. We, you know, she settled down. She wasn't as nervous, although she did ma'am me to death. She was very polite, called me ma'am a hundred times. <laughs> but I use this story with my residents for two reasons, you know, just so they know to be on the lookout for this type of error. It's easy to make on posters. You, you know, you hit that undo and redo button all the time in PowerPoint or whatever platform you're using. You've got eight versions that everybody's edited and you're trying to get to that final one. So it's, it easily can happen. I also use it as an educational point that they don't have to entirely understand the poster topic to be helpful to the poster presenter. And in this case, I knew nothing about the topic and I could be helpful. And then I learned something at the end when she gave me her presentation. I love that story. I think it shows how even small yeah. changes can yeah. have an enormous impact. So It was all smiles at the end. It was all smiles. That's the goal. So you shared how you've mentored someone in an experience that warmed somebody else's heart. But baby, can you go back to your learning experience as you've been developing your research skills and presenting skills and think back to a mentor you had that helped you grow through podium and poster presentations? Well, Gina, I've been really fortunate. I've had a nice long, have a nice long career. Uh, so I've actually had many mentors and colleagues, friends who've helped me along the way. My first mentor was my supervisor, Greg Zymanak. I first worked with him as an intern in an underserved community health center pharmacy, you know, back in the day of typewriters and cards with handwritten uh, medication lists on it. And we eventually ended up at the same staff model, HMO, and this is who I worked with in 1990 on my first project in Poster that he mentored me through the process. Following Greg, many other colleagues were always there to encourage me, teach me, and collaborate with me. I think we should rely on the, the people who are right next to us who can help us out. You know, research, Poster, and even podium presentations are, you know, all improved by just putting yourself out there and collaborating and sharing with your peers. And, and your peers are your colleagues, your friends. Yes. And I think the idea of passing it forward is really prominent here. We all have had someone who's helped us along the way and extending that grace, I think, is important. Definitely. So as we're kind of concluding a few more questions, but I wanted to ask you, so sometimes learners are very overwhelmed to A, get involved in research, but B, present their findings. As you mentioned a lot of times they're sitting there next to a poster fidgeting or that you can see that they're nervous and, and you know, the, uh, the, the anxiety is filling in. So how do you approach poster evaluation? I mean, you want to provide some good feedback, but you also want to deliver it in a nice way since they've poured their hearts out in that project. Well, usually what I do is I perform a quick poster read before engaging the presenter. I, I let them know that I like to read it first because otherwise they, they get more nervous if you're standing there and reading it. I just like to let them know that's my style. And then once I perform that quick read, I usually have a sense for the level of the learner. We have to keep in mind we've got students, PGY1s and PGY2s. And for some, this will be their first experience. And for others, it might be their second or third. So once I have a idea of what the level's at. And then going back to that about the presenters having different levels of experience, their preceptors quite possibly have different levels of experience. Some preceptors have, you know, 
10 to 20 posters under their belt. And other preceptors are our new preceptors that have completed their residency and have gone on to become residency preceptors themselves. So not all poster presenters will have received the same guidance when making their posters. So I really like to get a feel for the level of the learner in the poster before I provide any feedback. Now, I wouldn't want to provide a high-level data analysis feedback moment to a poster presenter who maybe needs assistance in other areas that are easier for them to work on. So based on the level of the learner in the poster, I like to provide feedback that moves them to their next level. I like to also convey in a constructive way any kind of feedback that they get and excitement for their accomplishment because it is an accomplishment to complete that task and present that poster at a meeting. I encourage them to take their work further if it's possible. And if that's not possible, I encourage them to get involved and do it all over again in another project. You know, the mentors do have responsibilities uh, that ASHP does provide guidance on, you know, talking to the resident about their clarity of objectives, methodology, data analysis, the conclusions, is there what significance of the topic there is and their visual presentation. You know, is it nicely laid out graphically? Is there too many words, not enough words? You know, these are all great responsibilities, but at the end of the day, the goal is to engage the poster presenter and give them advice that moves them to the next level. So there's a technical element and then there's also the the fostering. And that's where I think the mentorship piece comes in from the poster mentors. Yeah. So as we approach the mid-year clinical meeting, we hope that many of our colleagues will take a few moments and sign up to be poster mentors. I think after today's description, they probably hopefully feel a little bit more comfortable in what it entails, the experience that is needed, and, and how much time, uh, time of your date will take. But for those considering it for the first time, or even for those who are seasoned or coming back, do you have any tips on how to be most effective and helpful in coaching those who are presenting? Oh, yeah. First and foremost, this is a great way to network and to meet residency candidates or job candidates. Even though it's randomly assigned, it's amazing how many times I've met candidates who are from my geographic area or looking to get into my geographic area. So it's it's just great for networking. For first-time poster mentors, you know, the first step is you got to sign up. Sign up before November 15th using the link. Uh, sign up for at least one session if you can, two if you're two if possible. Your minimum commitment will be one hour of your time spent talking to a student or a resident who spent many hours on their project. You get to interact with the presenter. Let them know how you wish to proceed. Are, are you like me and you want to do that first read and discuss it afterwards? Or do you want the presenter to give the, the bullet about their research and then you talk to them afterwards? So give them that heads up. And then you got to make sure you manage your time carefully so that you get to all of the assigned posters. Don't be shy about telling your poster presenter that they're one or two of three or four posters you need to get to in that hour. And, you know, stick to that so you don't leave anybody hanging. You're not going to regret the time that you've given back to these learners. 
If you're a returning mentor, uh, it would be great if you could definitely sign up for at least one student session and at least one resident session, or if your schedule does not permit that because those are on different days, you know, maybe two student sessions or two resident sessions. Do you have your own residents? Have them sign up and commit to one student session. I do this with my own residents, and I'm hopeful they continue to do this themselves these days. What I do is I get them to sign up for one uh, student session that doesn't conflict. I teach them how you know to look at the schedule and figure out what they can do. And then we spend some time with the coaching and modeling in advance of their session. You know, we have a lot of posters left over from many years and we just put a few of them up and I show them how I do it. We take turns being the presenter and turns being the mentor. And so they get a feel for what to do in their one hour session. I also take this time after they've completed their session to talk to them about how it went. What was the response of the students that they met with? What did they learn? Uh, what were they able to help somebody out with? It's a really good way of giving back. And then I go on and I comment on it in the farm academic in their R3 or R4 competency areas. They should, you know, get credit for having this experience. And I hope it's a lifelong experience for them. I like if that approach. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's good I, to I incorporate it into their learning. Yeah. And you know what? The student session often is before they get to do their own presentation. So, you know, it's it's they get the experience of giving the feedback. And I always hope that my residents get a mentor to come see them. Now, if you're a returning mentor, maybe you might not have residents. Uh, you might be in an institution without residents. But if you have colleagues attending the meeting, do the same thing with them. Have them sign up to commit to one session. And if they don't have any experience, provide them the experience. Like I just described, we provide for our residents. So it sounds like the message is sign up, try. <laughs> sign up, sign up, sign up. You know, at the end of the day, we need more pharmacists to come and talk to each poster presenter. You know, there are many who get a poster presenter, but there are many who don't. And at the end of the day, I would like to see every student or resident who've, you know, who've gone to all the trouble and all that work to have at least one person come talk to them about their poster who's not their friend or, or their preceptor. Though that's great. Their friends and preceptors uh, coming to talk to them. But you really, you know, you really do get to have a better experience if a random stranger comes and talks to you about your work. Thank you so much, Karen, for your insights. I do echo your advice to sign up for those of you interested. We also do provide the link into the description for the podcast. So feel free to go on there and put your name in for becoming a poster mentor before November 15th. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ACHP's educator resources as well. You can find member exclusive offerings such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and exchange ideas with your peers on ACHP Education Connect community. And of course, don't forget to sign up for the ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting and Poster Mentorship as it's coming up in December. Thanks again for tuning in for this section of Educator Essentials. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, 
rate or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.